we gathered here on the universe at this time, this particular time, to listen to the 36 black notes of the piano. There's 36 black notes and 52 white notes. We don't mean to eliminate nothing, but we're going to just hear the black notes at this time, if you don't mind. You're listening to Black Girl from Eugene with Aisha. So here we are, and I'm back, and thank you for joining me on Black Girl from Eugene. Today I have an amazing guest, um, and I, you know what, uh, I we didn't even talk about how much of her bio I was going to read, so I'm just reading it all. <laughs> it's impressive, and it's beautiful, and um, I, she's, you're able to find her on Instagram, and I want everyone to hear everything that I have to say about this wonderful woman. She is joining us by um, by phone, and right now she's in Oakland. So I have my guest here, uh, the incomparable Hannah Marie. Hello, Hannah. Um, I am going to go ahead and read from the top. And uh, did you want me to add in the black banjo reclamation? I think we should, but it, it's up to you. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to read it from the top. Uh, Hannah Marie is a creative facilitator and musician whose work and art lends itself to a tool for redesigning and reconnecting to our roots as humans on this planet. A banjoist, multi-instrumentalist, and vocalist, Hannah shares original and traditional banjo compositions, harmonies through acoustic live vocal looping, and reminds us of the power found in our relationship to the earth, music, and community. They founded the Black Banjo Reclamation Project, Cultural Reclamation Through Reparations, Cultural Revival Through Community, which is so deep for me. So we're going to get into that. Uh, The Black Banjo Reclamation Project is a cultural and land-based revival project that centers the black community by reclaiming ancestral wisdom and moving forward with innovations through perspectives of Afrofuturism. Through our extensive network across the country... Our work promotes conversation and action in healing the ancestral, historical, cultural, and racially divided wounds in this country and the world. Welcome, Hannah. How are you? Hello. (laughs) I am doing well. Really good today. Yes. Um, So we were just talking. We had a little pre-show banter. We were talking about you just did an amazing show last night. You had a, a room of 200 folks, and you're saying, how'd it go? It went well? It was really good. It was um, it was a good time. It was like it's it's. I think. Um, I mean, let's be real. It was a lot of white people. <laughs> That's, and like, yeah, right. <laughs> and and I think it feels really good um, when you're sort of, when you're navigating through the world of folk music to have your like close friends and family with you right doing that because that's a lot it's a lot to be on a stage with like 200 white people looking at you and but like 20 of them are people of color who came to to really support you and who really care about you and right um that feels really good and i would definitely say it it is it is something just navigating in the folk world because that's kind of what we're carving out right now is this it's the idea that 
uh, what is folk music? Yeah. Like what what is folk music and why it you know in a, in this country most of the time if you were to just search folk music or something on Google it's like you're indefinitely going to get um, a response of like oh folk music uh, white people playing banjos yeah you know, that's, absolutely that's kind of how it's defined in a, in a lot of ways and I definitely define folk music as world music I define it as the music of people mm-hmm. um, and so there's a lot of genres within that but um with my music and with the project that that we're doing um the objective is really um bringing music back to what it actually is um, as a service and a device and a mechanism of humanity to survive right and to to have um to bond with each other and to empower each other and to empower ourselves so, so um, I think it was that's good. A, I thought we did that. That I think that's a um, the, when you're talking about your show, and it's I think you just hit on like a thousand points that we <laughs> that I'm like I'm sitting here writing like yes, yes, yes. So um, I mean, because you know, I think when we were when uh, you and I had the conversation and we were talking about like what are we going to talk about, how are we going to shape this, and how, and you just like right now just jump right into the folk and the idea of performing music that idealistically not idealistically i'm sorry but like um uh socially kind of has been whitewashed in a way like you're saying you're a black folk singer it's been whitewashed as this idea that it's white folks that you're going to be seeing if you see a a, a grassroots or a a, um when you hear uh what is the word i'm looking for what's the type of bluegrass bluegrass thank you bluegrass you're thinking i'm gonna come up here there's gonna be some white folks playing now, if you're up here in the Pacific Northwest, West Coast, now if I was in, I was, you know, down in Texas, I don't know exactly what I would get. I could get a, a couple of different things, but, um, but I know what you're saying, like the the uh, the having the idea of being performing and uh, and your whole crowd is white, and you're singing about deeply traumatic, like the very spiritual black experience to a white audience. Um, and so I, that's a deep, that's a deep connection. When we were actually talking and we were thinking about having, how to do this show and we were talking about trauma and healing, um, I don't, I, I look at that experience that you just explained kind of like both. <laughs> that can be very traumatic and it can be oh, very absolutely. healing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of the thing is like, you know, this was one show. This was one show. I played a lot of shows. I played a show, for instance, on Thursday uh, completely different people, completely different city, completely different vibe. Right. It was like an all ages show that was um, put on by like this awesome like eighteen year old trans person. You know, it's wow. like there's a lot of things that me and we do, like people who I work with and play with, where it's like we're actually just there to support the community. Now, there's gonna be other occasions where someone is gonna be like. I'm, I'm offering to put you in front of 200 white people. And you're like, you know what? <laughs> I would like some money. Right. Um, like this, this isn't about like, it's about sharing our art. And it's, I mean, for me, the, the art that I do, the music that I've created, it's, it's for a very specific person, person purpose, yeah. which is for myself. Mm-hmm. So nothing that I do, not going in front of 3 million people, white people is gonna make that music like not what it is you know what i'm saying like i can go in front of every single person in the universe 
and it's still going to be created for the reason which is for me right so i feel really grounded in like what that is and i find that it's all about um how do you want to use your your platform to leverage things that you actually need in your life right that's that's deep that's deep because exactly yeah even in this process of creating black uh black girl from eugene like we were talking about last night it's it's one of those like love hate situations where it's like it definitely is my platform to create a space of healing for me and that's where it was started but then you start to go who am i talking to who (laughs) who's listening that's that's the really interesting thing that that i think both of us are like balancing i think in different ways which is like um for instance i mean this is this is jumping in just a little bit but it's like a lot of the programming that we um offer is specifically and very um distinctly it's just for black people you know it's like the programming that we do in the black banjo reclamation project like we have very distinct things where it's like we'll have workshops that are specifically creating sacred black space for us to explore these things where we're having a decolonized lens of the banjo and we'll go we'll go over why that is necessary but then we also have other spaces where we're like this is actually for white people this is or oh, this, okay. is a, this is for a mixed group of people like anybody can come to this because everybody needs to reclaim their relationship to the earth everybody needs to reclaim their relationship to community so those aren't things that we feel um are limited to any one group of people okay. but we do know that the containers that we build to do that in matter and that having black spaces is um is very important for that healing process so what i'm saying is that i personally in my experience i go in many different spaces um and that's why i feel comfortable doing what i do is because i know why i'm doing it and every single thing that you know we're doing has a purpose right right i love that um okay so we're going to talk about and uh uh, it's perfect how you just exactly went naturally right into what we were uh, discussing. We were talking about black women and people connecting um, the need for the recognition, kind of how we met um, in that idea. Like we were discussing, you know, black folks being in this very limited space, having very limited space to ha- be naturally and, and feeling comfortably and safely uh, able to express ourselves. So when you and I, um, totally met on a happenstance like it was so like i was serendipitous you know it was completely random and i haven't seen you since like we met we met um you were you were traveling through eugene and um i was at the naacp kind of just dropping by to say hi and uh, you and was that the the whole band that was there? I don't even remember much who a lot of people who I remember like three other people. Yeah, we we had a crew. Yeah, we had Red Rhythm and Doctor C. Um, okay, Seymour Love. You can look him up. Um, yeah, it's like Seymour Love, like with your eyes. Rhythm, um, her company that she has is Divine Thrive Realms. Okay, um, and. They're all amazing people, and I had actually been, yeah, the, 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 the basic story is that I had been at the Oregon Country Fair and approached this, like, community kiosk or something. It was this, it was a space that I saw some black people, and I was like, I'm going over there, obviously, right? Right. Um, oh, that you're talking about when you saw us at the social justice booth in the community right. village, yeah. I, we essentially had learned that you 
Eugene had a chapter of the, the NAACP from going to the Oregon Country Fair uh-huh. and later when we were going through Eugene, um, which I've been to several times. Um, but yeah, on this particular journey, we really felt called to reach out to your brother and check in and really check into the space. And it was just perfect timing because we got to meet you and you were just about to like make your move. Yeah. And I think so much has happened since then. And it's nice to be able to reflect a year later on that. It, oh man. Like this, the timing of our connection is just insane to me, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, so we were sitting there, you know, late night, at we we uh, just so that people who are listening understand, we were sitting at the NAACP. I don't. Sh- uh, she doesn't know uh, Eric. I don't know them. We're, it's a room of black folks. We are we <laughs> we are um, hanging out, eating food, and talking about the realities of of being black in the Pacific Northwest. Music, spirituality. We talked for four hours or more. And I don't think we knew each other's names until the end of the conversation and we were saying goodbye. <laughs> so um, I think that's something to be said and we, you know, about the need for connection. And when, you, when we see each other in this, in this time frame, in this realm, and the, to look at each other and just feel a connection and, and recognize each other, it doesn't have to be as deep as a four-hour you know, um, soul searching convo like we had, which, but if you can do it by all means, get on that. But, um, I, I, with your music being in the genre in which it is, I feel like you have this opportunity to connect, like you were just saying, not only to black folks, but to folks who are just interested in hearing the music and try to express (laughs) that, that connection and the need and the way that I'm looking at our need for connection is that when we were together, it was an open-armed, like, I see you, you see me. We're in this kind of traumatic experience together. Um, you know, I feel like when I'm really talking to n- another black woman, that's almost the first thing we talk about. It's The trauma of being here is almost the first thing that we connect on. We're like, oh, you're here. Are you okay? You know? <laughs> Are you okay? I mean, yeah, and it's something, it's something I think we have, like, different relationships to that, I think, because of um, our proximity to being in Oregon and being in spaces like that. I'm from the West Coast, so I definitely identify as having an experience of a West Coast black person, which the way I see that is, like, we're in the far reaches of diaspora like we're in the far reaches of like how far can you actually go away from africa and have black people basically you can go anywhere right um and but there's going to be different populations and and out here um california is different than oregon oregon's different than um washington and what i found was that oregon as far as the west coast goes is like the heart has been the hardest experience and Mm -hmm. um I mean, I could definitely say that, I could say that laughing, too, you know, like, part of me is like, yeah, it's a, it's like a joke to me, almost, because of the actual things that I have experienced there, um, but, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm having a different experience 
now, you know, I, I've had to, I've had to like remove myself from being in, in that level of trauma because mm-hmm. when I was in Oregon, I was in a trauma state. Um, I was like, I don't think that every single thing that comes out of my mouth should be like justifying like why black people are the way they are or whatever, or why I am, why I feel the way that I am. I think it just gets way exhausting, but it's like you said, I mean, it's a psychological thing. So if you, you can grow and you can develop yourself to where, um, it's not saying that you're not traumatized, but you do actually get coping mechanisms that are helping your survival. And that's the other thing that we've been kind of talking about, which is like, what do, what do you do for your survival? What, what is, what is it that you're creating that actually makes you get through to, to what it is that you need to do to stay focused on those things and to not be distracted. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think with the discussion of the pattern of stimulus, right. That's, um, that's not necessarily healthy. And I think, um, it's interesting that you're saying you could feel a difference when you're coming through, um, Oregon. It's, it is, it is very, it's thick through here. I, you know, I, when I travel across the country, I, I say the same thing about when I entered Louisiana, it's like you go literally across this imaginary border, but it, it, this thick spiritual border hits you hard and you can feel it. Um, and then you literally, you can lift, feel it lift when you leave. It's, 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 it's incredible. So for when you, to, for you to say like in Oregon that there is this, this, um, thickness there and that defense that people of color have to live with every single day. And the fact that we, you and I are both kind of, um, creating, creating, uh, out of that trauma to, ex- for an expression that we have control over, uh, versus like you're saying the, the, the coping mechanisms that I think that we come up with to be able to live here and breathe here and be black here and try to just survive here, um, becomes, it it is a, it's a response to trauma. And I recognize that, that need to, um, to connect and to breathe. And so that idea of, of leaving Oregon and coming back and coming out, like you said, you're not from Oregon. I mean, you're not from Oregon. Um, but, you've lived here you've also had the opportunity to travel all across the united states you're you're now in oakland you've done your music up and down the west coast um and everywhere around the country and you're able to see i mean when you're able to do that you get a really good reflection of what is actually happening um and and i think with when i listened to like i was able to listen to some of your tracks there's there's something about um your message that just feels connected to the grounding of like I always feel like I'm trying to just leave (laughs) (laughs) I'm always like yeah I'm from Oregon but I'm not from here I'm totally different but I'm absolutely from here you know and I try to um but for you for the what I hear in your music and what I hear in your message is that you really are um it's not about that separation you're coming from a very healing place you're you're like grounding into the soil and you're recognizing how this actually historically um you know this is this is this is us like this is all of us um i'm wondering like in your path in your path of to healing and i'm not saying that you know none of us are 100 percent healed i don't want to put that on you you're not <laughs> i don't want to put that you're like the saint of all i don't want to do that but um when you when you have that that this this message coming through you and it's coming through in a in a healing manner, 
what what is your pathway to that? Like, where have you just is? I mean, I know you, we have a very short amount of time, but for you to to try to synopsis your your journey into this this healing uh, practice that you're you're so beautifully explaining or really expressing with your music. Um, well, yeah, I think I think it's really connected to to what we've been talking about with um, connecting and healing with land. Um, mm-hmm. The earth is, um, I mean, I can't speak for the earth, but it's pretty obvious, you know, what's going on. Yeah. It's like, um, you don't want to see your mother treated like crap. Right. Constantly. And, and when, like, when you're part of that system and you're a manifestation of what is treated badly, um, we have a lot of healing to do, all of us, but specifically black folks, people, from the African diaspora being there is a trauma of just being separated from land right specifically in a forcible way as such has 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 happened so for me what I was able to get through traveling was really just being outside and being connected to land and music in a way that I had never had that experience mm-hmm. and so when you um some you know some people get to have this experience others um, have it in other ways. There's a lot of ways to have the experience of connecting with the earth. Um, because I chose to travel on foot essentially mm-hmm. for several years out of a backpack. Um, and it was also like in the last decade and, um, you know, even 10 years ago when I first started traveling, it was like, you know, social media was different. Like you could actually kind of just get off of the computer for like I mean I would go off of the computer for several months at a time right and that was not that weird I think doing that now it's like you know you want to have a little bit more of a connection and I I found that it was actually you know I feel like the last few years I've sort of come back from that and I've just been like oh I missed all these shows I missed all these songs like I missed a lot of culture Mm -hmm. while I was doing that but I was also gaining a lot of things that I would have never otherwise been able to experience. I've been in over 15 national forests um, for like a week or more um, just being in the woods. And I I definitely still have so many things that I want to level up. And that's part of what we're doing with the work of the Black Bando Reclamation Project is not just farming and cultivating African diaspora crops, but learning how to actually create from that like how how do you have like a living goat and then turn that into dinner and a banjo you know like that's that's not like for the faint of heart and that's literally um the directions that we're we're going in so yeah traveling has been an amazing aspect for me to, to connect to the earth and to also connect with music because i came up because i was outside because i was in a lot of cases like we didn't just like have electricity and would be hitchhiking or wherever, like in the middle of nowhere a lot of times, the form of entertainment that you have is the same forms of entertainment that they've had for several thousands of years. Right. Generations. Right. You don't have you don't have social media and you don't have all of these things. You have like a notebook and some trees and <laughs> maybe a banjo, maybe a couple dogs, whatever it is. But like I consider that I grew up that I came up in a folk tradition because that was um, that was how I really started to play music and becoming right. comfortable with just finding my own voice in that. It's interesting so. 
listening to you about the the idea that black folks have been disconnected from the land and that really our um, ancestral roots, our, our, our connection to each other through the land just isn't priority anymore. Um, and like you said, being disconnected from the from media from the computer now that we like you said now we've got the the phone and the the all of the things and we can't really disconnect that way but for you to be able to connect back and uh create from that point what i'm looking at uh we're you know talking about white supremacy and that need uh for that subjective perfection view i feel like even the the genre in which you express yourself um is is not that to to uh traditionally you know, traditionally, it's not that. Um, I'm wondering through the way that you were discussing reparations. I'm wondering um, what what about this do you see as a reparation? Okay, so actually, I have my little card here. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this out for you. Okay. Um, thank you for asking. I think that's a great question. Um, so the banjo comes from Africa. Mm-hmm. The basis of this, the context of it, is that if you look, you can look at instruments and you can trace where instruments come from to where the original people come from which is africa and there's specific traditions that have been going for thousands of years um that we can trace the banjo and the styles of playing back to west africa central africa there's many different ways to to create these instruments they are under different names with different languages uh different rhythms different songs but it's you're still looking at a basically a gourd instrument, a like something that is similar to a melon that's um, has a stick attached to it, and, right. and has a um, an animal skin over that. So, I the first banjo that I actually had access to is like what I would consider a colonized banjo. Mm-hmm. I consider most I consider like a modern banjo. Like what you see is a modern banjo is a colonized banjo. They have frets. They have metal strings. They have a lot of things that were designed by Europeans. Mm-hmm. I still play this instrument. This is an instrument that I'm going to continue playing. But what I have also yearned for and have done is just um, <clears throat> sought out to have instruments that are more decolonized and that are going further back in our trajectory, in our human history. So the first year, <clears throat> which was last year, that we did the Black Banjo Reclamation Project one of the first and the main objectives that we are still doing is collecting banjos and donating those banjos um, so that people can have access to instruments. So whether that's mm. black families, whether that's like organizations, community centers, children, elders, people, you know, deserve to have instruments in their home where it's not just like you have an hour to play this instrument once a week. It's like, when you have access to an instrument, there's a lot of things that you can access in yourself, and there are tools for us doing that. And so the fact that most of the people in the world who are accessing banjos, um, and as well, <clears throat> a lot of other African diaspora and African instruments, it doesn't make sense to me when I look around and I see little black children, um, you know, a I, I asked some five-year-old children was like, oh, like, how do you get instruments? Where do you get them? They said, you have to go to work and you have to and you have to get money and pay for it. And we said, you know, that's really interesting that you're five 
and you already think that. Like, you got this idea somewhere from this effed up capitalism stuff, and that's not empowering for people. It's not empowering for a child to think that they're never going to have an instrument because they have to go and work. They're five. Should they really be worrying about that? Like, it's not okay. It's like, we're black people are getting oppressed in enough avenues that why do we need to add on music as another form like that's the same as like oppressing people psychologically through spirituality and religion it's like (laughs) music is supposed to be our freedom and our liberation and that's what it's going to stay and that's what we're ensuring that we're doing so first of all our first phase was collecting the banjos and getting banjos that were already made into the hands of folks who wanted to be on this journey of learning playing the instruments learning the history and having their own experience exploring that so this is not you showing up to a white jam session and having people kind of not be able to meet you where you're at you know what i'm saying right yeah um like in that culture and i think there's a lot of you know that's a whole conversation you could have and i i am in conversation with like several white musicians in the forms of allyship and like education like we definitely have a lot of collaboration with all kinds of communities yeah um but so with the with this upcoming workshop that we're doing we're basically entering phase two of what we're doing so not only did we collect banjos last year we did lessons we did um workshop series we did potlucks we held space for community to learn about this and to participate in in creating that culture you know so not just looking at the traditions of it but like what are we creating now so we are gonna we are having a intensive workshop that we're going to be hosting around 12 people coming and building instruments we have a teacher um who is actually a white person um a white ally who's coming down from washington and we have an amazing part we have amazing partnerships with like the space and other folks in the bay area who have been working with gourds for a long time once again this mm-hmm. knowledge is in the hands of white people. Right. And some of those white people are choosing actively that they would like to return that culture to where it came from, which is why we're in partnership is because people understand that there's, um, there are ways to be in right relationship with what's going on. Mm-hmm. We, we are, we're looking at the trauma of it and we're looking at how are we going to restore and bring integrity back to both being black people who do this and being white people who do this and Mm -hmm. being any person of any background who is reclaiming your own traditions and learning about our ancestors and finding the power that exists because these instruments are coming through the earth. And, you know, so I, so I, I can, I want to hear what you, what what you were going to say, but then I can just read you this like quick little blurb. Yeah, no, um, uh, I, I was just thinking about the reparation part of that. Like the the idea that you are taking that idea of reparation and saying uh, what is what in colonization has been stolen from black families, black children, and the idea of our connection to the to the roots of uh, to our roots through music, through um, through percussion, through strength, through you know, like you said, the gathering of us doing. It's kind of it goes back to even the the safe places of doing our hair. Uh, Having uh, having that con- connection um, through music is something that has always been traditionally uh, a part of the everyday life in in uh, ancient in an ancient way, uh, and through slavery on to modern day 
music and the black family has always been quite essential. So it's interesting to me when people talk about reparations, the, the first thing that, that most that most people that I can that I hear and that you know through the media through the is talking about financial reparations. They talk about the forty right. acres and a mule, Absolutely. and they talk about you know um, the forty acres and a mule idea. For those who aren't out th- who don't know, it was a promise post Civil War that they were going to a lot. They being the government, and it was actually the Union um, government was going to uh, a lot slaved and freed families forty acres and a mule. Which at the time, uh, you know, in the late 1700s, was like 20, equaled out to about $20 a week. For 4 million slaves, the total of that comes out to about $800 billion. And in today's dollars, it would be $6.4 trillion. I kind of did that math uh, and looked it up last night as of 2015. People think about that as a reparation. They're, right, not, they're not even considering the whole spiritual part right. of right. what colonization has stripped from the black family. So I wanted to just right. throw that in there when you were talking about, yes. I thought it was, a, I thought it was beautiful that when you were speaking of reparations, you're speaking of a spiritual reparation through the music that was actually decolonized to us. And I, and I think that a lot of people don't, don't remember that aspect of, of uh, the trauma that uh, colonization has, has put upon the black family, taking around the roots of who and what mm-hmm. we, uh, what we naturally and truly are. So go ahead. Definitely. No, thank you for pointing that out in like that scope, because I mean, we absolutely agree that financial reparations are in order. I mean, this Gord Banjo workshop, you know, we have to buy materials. We have to get an Airbnb. There are things that if people wanted to say, hey, I want to throw down some money and I want to sponsor this thing happening so that people can do this and the artists can get work stipends small ones you know like yeah we're doing what we can yeah um but absolutely it's like it is beyond money you yeah. know what i mean it's it's definitely beyond that um so i'm just gonna read you this so i did a really amazing performance um in seattle at an amazing place called wanawari mm-hmm. um it's a black art space in the central district which is a um historically black neighborhood that's been very gentrified oh okay um I did a performance with an amazing dancer, uh, Nia Amina Minor, and we both co-wrote this sort of description that was really just digging into a little bit of a deeper sense of what's going on that we're talking about. So it says, Black folk tradition is a site of memory and resilience in which the music cannot be separated from the context under which it was created. For the banjo, a historically violent past maps the instrument's complex and troubled journey. Colonization to slavery, minstrelsy through Jim Crow, the banjo has deceptively been romanticized and separated from its pan-African roots. To reclaim this history, the Black Banjo Reclamation Project builds and redistributes banjos and gourd banjos, returning earth-based indigenous practices back to the Black community. In spite of displacement, in spite of dispossession, we retain our music and culture to create a sense of self, a sense of unity, a sense of home, and most importantly, take back power. Yeah, that that um, right there is is exactly the essential meaning of this spiritual reparation that I think that you're actually that that's actually heading on. That's beautiful. Did you guys just that that's your kind of your mission behind the the, the reclamation project? 
That was, um, so essentially, like, so you know the description that you read earlier? Yeah. The one that was on my bio. So uh, myself and Seymour Love wrote that, and that was a way for us to just introduce um, the project. And we also realized that we didn't mention any, um, in that description, it doesn't mention any of the reasons of why somebody would need to reclaim this. Right. So this description has a little bit more of that information in it. You know, it's like this is actually about doing anti-racist work. It's actually about doing um, transformative justice, essentially. Right. Um, it's about forming community. It's about accountability. It's um, it's about, I think, like, yeah, one of the things that I've been very informed by um, is the book My Grandmother's Hands, which I think a lot of folks have read, which um, a, lo- a lot of what it talks about is that... Um, Trauma lives in the bodies of people who have done harm to people, too. Right. So that type of trauma sometimes doesn't get talked about because they're in these positions of privilege, you know. And so this is where we're sort of looking at at this more as a spectrum rather than as like, these are oppressed people. These are not, you know, we have to come from awareness. that part. People are suffering, period. That part, yes. And and, and it is a real thing. It doesn't mean that we're going to have oppression Olympics and compare, like, who is more oppressed. Right. It does mean that, like, everyone can understand um, deep senses of, like, grief. And um, there's things that we need to come to terms with if we're going to be in right relationship with stuff. And, And it's hard work. So that's why... No one is being asked or forced to, to do anything, any work that they're not willing to come to on their own. This project is available for people when and if they come to those conclusions. Um, and at, and it's, it's coming from a perspective of wanting to invite people into that space, you know, right. knowing that it's a brave space. You know, it's like um, it's not going to be the easiest thing that you ever did it's not gonna it might be it might be the most rewarding thing you ever did but it might not be it's not just gonna be a walk in the park but like part of what we're working with is those forces that are gonna ground us so like being in our bodies and being connected to the earth and using music as a tool to stay in our bodies when we're experiencing trauma so that we're not disassociating right that is that is what we're we're dealing in these realms so it is spiritual yeah, um, that and it is also this very logistical thing of like, yes, racism is a thing. It is a systematic. It is a system of oppression. Right. You know, and we're not here. We're not here to argue that point. But we are here to work with people who want to really go from step zero, mm-hmm. go from step negative three with people who really are not on that level to understand that racism is a thing. And if you're not starting from that point, then you're not at the starting line. You're you need to Sankofa go back and figure out the basis of what's going on. You know, you know so- I I uh, I girl, I'm I'm sitting here like preach because it what what's happening is and what you're explaining is like in such beautiful terms is exactly the issues that I have been on this podcast, on this radio show, talking about in different ways through different experiences through all the people who've been through this studio with me is exactly with what you're saying. Like, even the argument of doing this this West African dancing, I keep bringing that up. Oh, I'm going yeah. to have a woman oh, talk yes. about it. 
and having women, black women really fighting for space in West African oh, yeah. dance. But um, not to go down that rabbit hole, but like to go into the idea of, of like what you're saying. It's like the, the connection to our, our bloodline, the connection to our cellular need for this music um, is, is a, a form of reparation. And if you're going to be uh, an ally, if white folks listening, white folks involved, white folks trying to be, you know, um, an ally, the, the understanding of it is, is that like, is what you said so beautifully, it's not like they can actually do, um, they can't create, they really can't create the space. They can allow the space, they can let us do our space and then, you know, support. Like you said, financially, you're trying to get instruments to black children and black families. Put put twenty bucks in the hat at the show. You know what I mean? It's like put 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 some money to it. You know, allow some space. Allow allow an opportunity to be opened up in this structure that is inherently racist, and and that that as you can see, the 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 effort and the struggle is there. Open up a space. Let the opportunity happen. Step back. You know, front, send the money over so that it can be created, so that that um, so that these projects like what you're doing can flourish. You know, um, right? Yeah. And so I, mean, I think I think one of the things just to know about that, because um, I will tell you right now, we played a show in Eugene over the summer and had some people that were there. It was you know I'm, I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to be real. Um, the people that were like there. Um, didn't know how to fully show up as allies and were like sort of um making it about them how to do that and and i think it's it's um eugene i will just say specifically has a really really long way to go yeah Uh, and (laughs) and so like literally understanding that like you know we've had to maneuver through this because you 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 see places like for instance oregon or colorado where like there's actually more white people playing banjos there like i haven't done studies on this but basically have this is basically hannah facts there's places specifically in the west that you'll find that because of manifest destiny there's been this um, story told about having the right to be here and creating and pioneering your existence out here right which has been taking away space and sovereignty and land from the indigenous people of this land Mm -hmm. um and you find that in those places where there's higher concentration of banjos and um there's i won't get into like the whole thing of like all the types of music bluegrass is the dominant um, genre of folk music that like banjo is played in yeah um once again take take it from black people like there's a like i will tell you right now there's maybe people listening that are gonna tell you that oh you know the the bluegrass style was more you know developed by europeans it's like there's absolutely contributions that have been made but like you didn't invent finger picking honey like right do that so um there's there's a correlation between like the amount of bandages that there are and and the like lack of understanding of racism right so like you can actually bet that like if you are going into communities where there's a lot of banjos it's actually going to be a lower understanding of racism and and this is something that's very challenging it it, it can be challenging but it's like i'm learning and we're learning how to work around this and build relationship because a lot of the work we're doing is really through relationships like how you and i met we didn't 
sit and talk for five minutes and right. like move on with our lives. It's like you go deeper with people and that's when you can really start maybe a foundation so that regardless of who you're working with, what their background is, that you know where you stand on common ground so you can move forward. And we're, we want to be able to, to do that. But like I said, it's not, we're, we're coming from a place of love and wanting to celebrate. Right. So like, it's exciting to want to be part of something that's creating joy. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked that we have some really exciting things coming up here in the Bay area. And we just, we have people all over the country who have really started this work and been doing this work and we've tapped in who are, who are, who have been this, like we're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors and we're looking at the work of people like Rhiannon Giddens and like the folks of the Carolina chocolate drops, um, who brought a lot of this into more mainstream focus in the last like 10, 20 years. And, but like acknowledging that like, this is just hundreds of years, thousands of years, many different traditions and many ancestors that brought this through so it's it's just a pleasure to be able to explore it and learn more and research it and and feel it and and create it right that i mean the fact that you're you're doing it is is like you say it's a pleasure it's an honor that i that you're i got to know you as you're out there doing it because the truth of it is is that like i said the idea of reparations being financial only is is really not it's so incomplete and when you brought that idea through the banjos and like taking them from one um, from one space and bringing them into another was like eye-opening for me actually because I just I come from a privileged family like we we were able to stay intact with each other I have uh, you know both of my parents my dad's a musician most of my families are musicians we're artists in one ways we're we're uh, you know community builders in other ways we we've always kept it in our family like I, I have always had an upright base in the corner of my of the house I grew up in ever since and now my brothers do the same thing you know we always have instruments um around our house because it just has always been very woven into the way that we were raised jazz has always been a a constant background um in our households so i and i know that that's not for everyone um but uh you know so i i understand that need but i never thought of it as a reparation like you know what i mean like i never thought of it being taken away uh, because I do have that privilege. And so when you brought that to my attention, I was like, oh my God, it just makes so much sense across the board for not only financial reparation, but like I said earlier, spiritual reparation. Like, and there's, and there's, there's actual tangible actions, there's actual tangible things that were taken from us in slavery and never returned due to the, the extensive of the trauma that happened at that time. So, so for, for, uh, for you to start off with just the opening the space of just connecting back to music. People always talk about the drum, but there's there more than the drum that's in our history, um, although the drum is very important as well. So it's like those type of things um, that are uh, are kind of like put to the side. Like, no, we're just talking about we'll give you 50 bucks for your hard time. Like, you know, <laughs> and I mean, and the definition of reparation is that. I mean, it really is it's to make amend for a wrong, uh, you know, generally by paying money, um, but the wrong that was done to our community um, is is so much deeper than the financial loss, although that was substantial in itself. So, um, Absolutely. yeah. 
So I feel I feel very honored. Uh, if you could talk more about this, what I'm going to play, uh, Motherless Child. Uh, do you have some background about this particular track? Um, yeah, yeah. And I think I just want to also just take a moment to say, like, just to add on to what you were saying. Um, yeah, please. Is, like, definitely adding this back in with, like, you know, all of the other genres that we already celebrate in black culture, whether that's jazz, whether that's hip-hop, rap, R&B, funk, blues. Like, we have this extensive pool already of music, and and it's important to to connect all of those and to really acknowledge the that when you're doing one of those types of modalities, you're practicing an ancient tradition. Right. And I think that that's been taken away from us as well. It's like the psychological, essentially... Um, concept that oh what you're doing is that's just some kind of modern pop culture or whatever you know and and disconnecting it from the ancient roots of it so mm-hmm. um what i would say about motherless child is like it's um an older spiritual song that i just redid and i um use like an analog loop system to create beats and tracks and like basically be a producer without a computer which is really awesome yeah you don't like you know have one right um but like so yeah it's just a it's a rendition of that and i think that honoring that we're we have been going through a time of being separated from many people being separated from their families yeah um and like being able to actually acknowledge that this is actually happening. It has been, it's been happening through the foster care system, slavery, boarding schools. It really, people are deeply traumatized by this separation and it needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and like just acknowledging it in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. So, okay. The motherless child. Uh, okay. So I'm going to, I want to tell, say, cause I want to play that th- as we go out. Um, I want to thank you now for coming on my show, for being so generous with your time, both when we first met and now. Um, I've been following you, and you can follow for everyone out there. I'd like for you to say where they can find you on Instagram and Facebook. Yes. Um, and they can listen to your music on SoundCloud and all over. I want you to give them all the platforms real quick. And I just want to, yes. I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Hannah. Honestly, uh, you're a treasured person in my life, and I, I deeply appreciate the work that you're doing thank you so much and i could say the same about yours i'm excited to keep listening to your podcast and just see you i want to see you and like wherever wherever we end up and um yeah as far as following me hannah marie it's h-a-n-n-a-h-m-a-y-r-e-e um so i have a website hannahmarie.com uh, as well as Instagram, and you can also follow Reverse the Diaspora um, for Instagram. On Facebook, um, we also have a page for the Black Banjo Reclamation Project that is just Black Banjo Reclamation Project. We have an open page for anybody to follow. We also have a closed group that's like for Black folks who specifically want to really connect um, with that. So you're welcome to find us, and we have a website. For the Black Banjo Reclamation Project, uh, blackbanjoreclamationproject.org, mm-hmm. uh, where you can donate and you can see more, uh, a little bit more information on our gourd banjo making workshops so that people, if you do want to reach out, if you do have resources of any kind, you know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be a tangible resource. It can be like 
I know how to make straps for banjos. Yeah. And I know how to do it. And I don't even have any, but I want to, like, show you how I do it or something. Or, like, you have an inheritance of, like, your white ancestors that actually, like, is with you through not being in right relationship with the land and with the people here. You know, it's like there's a lot of things you can choose to do if you want to donate seeds. Like, if there's a lot of things that if you want to just be in relationship with us, feel free to reach out. We travel, we go around, and we play shows and do these workshops and share what it is that we've learned in the best way that we can do that. that. So, yeah, um, that's amazing. If you want to donate land, if you want to donate a car, like, we are displaced, you know, indigenous people of Africa that are also... um, looking for space in the world so all of these things are on the table and we really just put it out there for everyone to to realize that our relationship with the earth has been our form of resistance no matter who we are people who have fought against colonization have been people who have been the caretakers of this land because they know and we know that this is what gives us life mm-hmm. and not a different system but we are creating those systems for ourselves so i appreciate you using this channel to uplift what it is that we're doing hey we're here in it together right like that's how this is working (laughs) um so i'm gonna put your the links on my instagram so people can go there and find you there obviously they can find you themselves through just hannah myree m-a-y-e-r what the heck (laughs) m-a-y-r-e-e (laughs) <laughs> and um, I'm going to put the links up as well so they can follow, find you and follow you. Um, thank you so much, Hannah. Let me, awesome. um, yeah, yes, let me pull thank up. You. Thanks, this has been amazing. Let me pull up this, this song and um, we're going to take it on out with this again. Awesome. Um, I, I, when I looked up th- this on SoundCloud, girl, I found so many songs like back four years ago, five years ago. I was like, okay, let me, I'm going to hit it from the top uh, when I have a moment and listen to all of it. But, um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you do what you will. But like, yeah, Bandcamp and Spotify have my latest album, and I have. I'm going to be having a new album coming out in 2020. So people who want to look out for that, you know, follow me so you can do a pre-order. Oh, excellent! Yes, that's that's perfect. All right. Um, thanks again, Hannah. I'm. We're gonna go out on Motherless Child. Yes. Yes. Much love. Much love.